This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you on a Tuesday night, late night recording. And just before we came on, Sean said something that I was thinking about when we logged onto our computers this evening. First time we've done a nighttime, late time podcast since we were coming out of a football game in the last instance, the Cotton Bowl. We got to do a lot of them last year. And right now, Sean's sitting in at my desk having this conversation we're about to have. It's about as far as I have ever felt from a football stadium press box. Penn State, the Big Ten, the season, the hopes for one in 2020, no longer. Poof, Big Ten announcing today. Uh, that they will be postponing their fall sports season, including football, uh, at least into the 2021 year in terms of the spring being a possibility. Nothing concrete there. We'll talk about the ramifications uh, right now, long term for Penn State. Clearly, there will be plenty to discuss in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but Sean, bring you in a, a conversation I hope that we would never have to have. It's been in the back of both of our minds uh, throughout these months that it may be something we have to face. But I think in, in both instances, we didn't think we'd be having it this early on August 11th. It's it's unbelievable, really. And by the way, I'm out of town for a family uh, uh, obligation. So my audio is a little bit messed up. So I apologize to that for, for those listening. But yeah, we're here uh, less than a week after the Big Ten schedule release, which, you know, the schedule release doesn't necessarily mean you're going to play football, but it was a nice sign that things were moving. And then all of a sudden it just kind of fell off the table. And, and I, you know, I could not believe how fast that moved. Got a message. I'm looking at through my DMs here. Got a message on Saturday afternoon says, hey, you know, this is a, this is a battle right now. There's there's schools that there are presidents that don't want to play. There's schools that do want to play. Penn State, one of those schools that did want to play on on several different levels. And, you know, you're just not sure how it was going to work out. I thought that maybe uh, Monday night we got some indications that maybe, you know, this is something that might have turned the corner. Um, The the early report said canceled and they they said not so fast. And, And we thought maybe there was a glimmer of hope for something, maybe bumping it back a few weeks. The Big Ten had built that into their schedule to sort of, make things happen and, and and make it work for those schools with a with a modified schedule didn't really work that way and by by this afternoon by Tuesday afternoon completely off the table and that's uh that stings man we were talking to, you you don't really know what to think until it actually happens and then you get that text and you're like damn man it's it, it's real so yeah this is not a conversation we want to be having this is not a conversation we we hoped whatever you know possibly come onto these airwaves but here we are and it's it's unfortunate we you know we appreciate you guys listening i'm, I'm sure after the last couple of days of gas bagging you probably don't want to listen to people drone on about about this particular situation but i mean that is the situation that uh, that was dealt and and that's where penn state is that's where the entire big 10 is that's where the pac-12 is that's not where the big 12 and the acc or yeah big 12 acc and sec are that's a it's a splintered college football union right now it is very hard to decipher um, 
where this thing's going moving forward is clearly there are conferences that set the tone for the rest of the nation. The Big Ten is one of them. And this was a the largest domino to fall to this point in any kind of college athletic realm. I think outside of I think this, you know, outside of March Madness, this is kind of the second big wake up call that we as sports fans have had to endure. Um, I think losing so much of, of the hockey season and the base basketball season and, and the, the massive chunk of the baseball season before that could get going, those were all very stunning for an American sports enthusiast, but they came back and you always felt like they would could come, could come back. And with the professional sports, um, there was just a sense that they were going to have the logistical ability to do that. But as we got closer to colleges, not just getting back into the athletic field, Sean, but also getting back into the classroom, which is up next for Penn State. You know, we've been talking about this for a while in class resuming on the 24th. And, and, you know, the conversations went from hypothetical to very, very real and important very quickly. And the conversations being had at all levels of football you know, this week, there's the, and into last week, a lot of dialogue here in Pennsylvania, a lot of heated dialogue about how to handle things at the high school level. Should they play? Should it be pushed back into 2021 or just deeper into 2020 and see where it goes? We were kind of bouncing around that conversation at the end of last week and saying, oh, you know, what else is new? You know, the high school leadership having trouble deciding what to do. And then all of a sudden Saturday, the new services at the Big Ten is is going backwards very uh, quickly. Things are going moving in a hurry, and and to see it come to to this result on Tuesday, Sean, um, you know this is a, a first year commissioner. Uh, this is a, a conference that had two of the top five programs within the top five when you look at twenty four seven sports preseason rankings. Ohio State was number one, Penn State was number two. Michigan, one of the more marquee programs across the country, and and there's just a lot of clout involved in this conference, and a lot of passion, and and I think to to see it kind of taken away, folks are going to wake up, me included, on Wednesday, facing a new reality where things that just kind of seemed untouchable and too big to fail for so long, you know, we got to somehow digest the fact that there will not be any Big Ten football played in 2020 and and we've got a long way to go before I think we can realistically anticipate seeing action on the field again and it's just not a good place to take your head to. Well we were discussing before we came on the air and and the thing that makes it weird is the Big Ten is usually a pretty united conference you usually see a lot of uh, you know there's one thing and you go with it that's not what you saw from the Big Ten this time around and you know I, I, I guess a couple of the programs really you know, sort of put their backs to the wall and did some fighting. I mean, you look at what Ryan Day did with Ohio State, Jim Harbaugh with Michigan, Scott Frost, especially at Nebraska. Um, those those three schools really got out there. And James Franklin also got out ahead of it. Um, just, you know, from looking around, I mean, it, it, it doesn't take, you know, insider knowledge to know that Penn State's players, they wanted to play. Penn State's parents were on board playing. Penn State's coaches were pushing for them to get it done. Uh, it, it's It's not as simple as saying, hey, Let's strap them up. Let's go. But if you listen to the messages from these coaches that were out there, and, and I'm not saying that the, the coaches that weren't out there didn't, you know, want to or wanted to cancel the season or anything like that. But if you listen to the messages out there, it wasn't, hey, let's be football guy and tough it up and go out and, you know, beat our opponents and beat the, you know, the virus and all that kind of stuff. It was, hey, let's take a little bit more time, figure out what we need to do, take this different approach 
uh, buy time if we need to, pull back this or you know uh, knock back the season opener, do what we need to do to get us in position to answer all the questions that we need to answer because. You look at what what they're trying to figure out right now, and it's not about uh, you know if they're going to play in the spring or anything like that. It's it's what do you do with scholarships? What do you do with guys that are coming in in January? What do you do with guys that maybe want to transfer out now or anything like that? There's there's really no no answers floating around at any level for these these questions, and all of a sudden you rush yourself into a decision on August 11th. That to me doesn't make a ton of sense. So the Big Ten. Uh, is is going to have some some answering to do for this, and I don't know that I, I don't know who they're going to have to answer to. But the way that they went about this, I mean, it, it, you probably would have ended up with this result eventually. Maybe two weeks from now, three weeks from now, they extend it into September, maybe early September. But even if you didn't, even if you end up there, if you give yourself time to make it work you at least, you know, sort of grease the wheel and get things going for yourself. And, and I don't, I didn't see the big 10 doing that. You do wonder, you know, we're framing this the night of, and, and everything is very fresh. And we see these three power five conferences moving along and, and saying they're going to, to play football. And it makes me jealous of the people covering those teams right now, because they get to keep talking about football in 2020. But I do wonder how temporary all that is. And Will they all be the players, the coaches, the reporters, the fans be in the same boat as the rest of us here in Big Ten country and in the Pac-12 by the end of this month or, or by the end of September? It's certainly something I don't want to see happen. I want to see as much college football as we can salvage if it's salvageable, but I can tell you it will certainly be strange um, and it will present a whole new discussion if we are deep into the fall and we're watching Alabama and LSU play against each other. Um, and we're watching Clemson play matchups. And, and we're wondering what happened two and a half months ago to Penn State's football players. And you can certainly expect that they'll be vocal about that. I think that's the one thing, too. So much of this happened out in the public forum in terms of being vocal because of how uh, much access we have now through social media to, to players, to coaches, to, to reporters being able to to give lifetime updates. Sometimes they're not correct. Sometimes they're on the money, those reports. But players are engaged in the whole conversation. And on Saturday night, late Saturday night, you knew something was brewing serious in the Big Ten when you saw top players, just about, uh, it felt like a quarter of the roster for Penn State within five, ten minutes tweeting out uh, that they want to play football and, and going over specifically why they feel safe and why they feel comfortable and why they do believe that their institution has put them in a spot to succeed in a healthy way on the field this fall. Guys at Ohio State did it. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson became two figureheads very quickly over a 48-hour period where we get to the end of Monday and it feels like, okay, they, they've made – They've said their piece. The players have really put it out there. We've got the Penn State Parents Association and, and, and Pat Fryermuth's mother, Diane, putting a statement out there about how the parents feel good about where Penn State is progressing and, and their sons are in a good spot and, and they give the green light. And you're thinking, okay, you get to Tuesday morning, maybe things are, are you're waking up to a different situation with the Big Ten. And, and I see James Franklin. Sean, go on, uh, get up uh, with Mike Greenberg in the morning and very curious to see what, what kind of demeanor he had. You're kind of wondering if he was going to fight and he did. I mean, he publicly went out there and we're going to play a clip right now. We can talk about it afterwards, but I wanted to make sure our listeners, in case they missed that, this was James Franklin Tuesday morning around 945 on ESPN, about six hours later, less than that. 
the Big Ten would announce that they were canceling the season. But you listen to this and tell me if you think James Franklin thought that was a foregone conclusion or the right conclusion. Here's that listen. Why would we cancel the season right now when we don't even have the answers for what that may mean? I'm on a call last night with the parents and our players, and they're asking me a bunch of questions. What does this mean for my scholarship? What does this mean for my eligibility? Do I get another year? What does this mean for the fifth-year seniors? What does it mean for the underclassmen? With the high school kids that graduate early and come in, how are they going to be on the roster? Is one program going to be over their scholarship numbers based on incoming recruits and being at 100, and another program is going to be at 85? There's just so many questions that I don't think from a leadership standpoint that you cancel the season and then people ask you, well, coach, what does this mean for my future? And we don't have any of those answers right now. So I hear that, Sean, and I'm thinking James Franklin going on national television, knowing that there's a lot of attention on him right now and people are hanging on his words. For him to put that out there and, and, and really go into detail on exactly the lack of clarity that that he has, you know, a marquee coach across college football, someone the Big Ten needs to make sure is on the same page with what they've got rolling down the road in the very near future. I hear that. I'm thinking there's no way the Big Ten is announcing that they're shutting it down today. If anything, maybe maybe we hear about a postponement of the schedule deeper into September. Instead, you know, five hours later. It's a done deal, and, and I'm just wondering how James Franklin's feeling. And, and we've heard from some of these coaches. James Franklin, as of 11 p.m., where we're recording here on Tuesday evening, we have not heard from James Franklin. So very curious to see what's next from him. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that is an interesting point in terms of not hearing from him. Uh, just from talking to people around the program, uh, obviously he takes the little things hard. Um, so he's going to take the big thing, uh, very hard. So, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. And I, I know not a ton of people are going to feel that bad for him considering, you know, they, they know his salary, they know what he makes, but this is, uh, this is something that's going to stick with him for a long, long time because it's not just, you know, really the pressure of being a football coach, you know, as big, as big of a business as college football is. It's not just that. It's, it's also the pressure of having, your, you know, the town, the state, uh, all that kind of stuff. So many things tied to Penn State football. And, you know, they're they're tied to James Franklin, just like they were tied to Joe Paterno, just like for a brief time tied to Bill O'Brien. You know, there's so much responsibility, so much pressure that comes with that, that it's going to, you know, that's that's something that's going to stick with him. And that's that's really unfortunate that's going to go that direction. Um, you know, you, you heard it in his voice. You saw it in the actions. Uh, a couple things here. Late Monday night, I posted it, you know, on our on our message board at Lions twenty four seven. It was a mess. I mean, it was fr- frankly from president to AD, AD to coaching staff. The, you know, just no answers. Very uh, rigid conversation. And I'm not calling out just Penn State's with that in terms of across the conference. There seemed to be it was very rigid in terms of what was out there. It was very you know just very uh, sort of displaced in what was going on between all those different levels. And, you know, that's pretty much the the result that you got. I think they, you know, Penn State, from what I understand, did everything that they possibly could, especially from the football. And, and I'm, let me preface that Penn State at the, at the coaching level, the staff did what they wanted to do, did what they needed to do to try to possibly play. And that wasn't enough at that point. Um, not really much you can do about that. 
you know, since then they've had talks with all their players about what the uh, the questions and answers that they know. They had a Zoom this evening with uh, commits and their families about what they, you know, what they thought they knew about the process because this is going to be a very interesting couple of months. You don't know what's coming. You don't know if there's, you know, potential uh, a situation where you see transfers going. You don't know what your roster is going to look like a couple of weeks from now, let alone whenever the next time it is they play. You don't you don't know about a spring season. So it's there, there's so many things that are just you, you you can't have answers for but you know I, I feel like they're pretty well prepared for that and um, and it's uh, it's very interesting to sort of track this and follow this because like I said James Franklin did it Ryan Day did it Jim Harbaugh did it the, those are the you know the three big hitters when you think about big 10 coaches and uh, you know they 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 did what they could and you know it seems like that's something that was very much out of their hands by the time that decision was handed down Man, you're so right. Everything is theoretical right now. Uh, so much of what you're operating on, the conversations that you're having, you know, when's your next game? I'm not sure. When's the next time a recruit can visit? I don't know. When's the next time you can go check out a recruiting person? I have no idea. Um, when can you add to your staff? I don't know when we can spend that kind of money. It's just, it's everything in a world that has always been so formulated to kind of cater to the top tier of college football where these coaches, you get to a certain level, you enjoy success. There's not a lot that is beyond your reach and there's not a lot that goes on the schedule that doesn't go on that schedule without you putting it on there or giving it the green light to be on there. That's James Franklin. That is everybody that I've come in contact that is successful within this, within this industry and plenty of coaches who are not successful in this industry. They take on that kind of mode and they try to control things within their organization and it often works out well, and you're completely just pulling the rug out from underneath that process right now. And it's, I, I, I do wonder what happens now where you are, you know, you know, you're looking at an option where a calendar year away from the practice field, and maybe from here another 13 months potentially to kick off. I, I don't know. You know, it's just such an open-ended situation where you can't give definitive answers to your staff, to your players, and to your prospects. And I know that's really what hurts Franklin the most is being able, is not being able to give parents a complete and full answer because you can tell he's grasping for information still. He's still trying to collect the data. He's still trying to get straight answers from the people who are ultimately going to put those kind of protocols in place with eligibility and scholarship availability and and everything that else is that, that's going to go into what this roster has to address moving ahead. And, and I think that's got to be the toughest part for a guy like Franklin who you know puts so much stock in, in, in having those conversations with, with players' parents when those guys are 15 years old so now 20, 21 years old, he wants to deliver on those things and, and, and put these kids in a position to succeed. And I mean, look, we're in a pandemic. A lot of that is out of his control and it's tough to give up that kind of control for anybody. But we're talking about CEOs in college football. This is just totally um, no blueprint. And, and these are guys who live off the, their own blueprint. College coaches are different personalities, but you know, for the most part, I think they're wired fairly, fairly similar. You work for Greg Schiano at Rutgers. You know some of the similar things that you've seen with coaches that you've covered in the past, and it's, it's a double-edged it's, sword. Uh, you know it, what I mean? It's <laughs> it's so tough. It's so tough because this is this is what they do. This is what they've done for so long, and and you know, it's uh, that's the pressure that comes with it. That is the. Uh, I guess the the nuances of the job, and it's really unfortunate to think about that. And like I said, I think that, and you know, this is a Penn State podcast. I think Penn State did what they could for their players to make it 
to, to make it happen. This was probably the destination that we we're going to, you know, eventually land on regardless. But, you know, I think Penn State is one of those pro- programs that can look back on what they did and say, OK, we we gave it our best, but uh, it just wasn't wasn't meant to be. And again, I think the, the parents release what, what they release on Monday. You've got the players uh, publicly uh, making their case known into the weekend, into the week. And you've got Franklin in the morning when everyone's wondering what's going to ha- happen to college football He's in the seat that that probably you know ha- has a huge audience at the national level with ESPN, and he's the one going on the record with all this stuff. So I think when you look through this day, Penn State's going to play a very active role in how you remember uh, the Big Ten coming to this and, and which coaches were, were pushing against it. But we're going to talk about um, this 2020 uh, Penn State football team and where it goes from here personnel-wise. Um, and additionally, just some thoughts on – what could have been? We're going to be having these conversations for a while. Uh, stay with us. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. A quick word from our sponsors. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, well, we spent the first 20 minutes of this episode breaking down the Big Ten news about uh, no fall football season and just the kind of instant reaction from myself and Sean and from James Franklin. Uh, Still waiting to hear a formal reaction there, but kind of the mood that the team uh, was in entering the week and and where we are now, I think it's, it's important that we have this conversation, Sean, before we get too far away from the fact that this 2020 Penn State squad could have been a hell of a team. Yeah, yeah, thanks for... There's Tyler reminding us all of what we don't have. Uh, no, I'm just, just playing. these guys deserve some love. I just, I, I, I just don't want to get too far past what they were putting together, what it seemed like they had, because there's going to be parts that are gone one way or the other. And, and I know that's what hurts these kids. They, they, they felt like they had something special brewing and you can't recapture something like that. You cannot recapture it. And we saw Micah Parsons tweet out, uh, you know, a week after his his uh, rumored departure, and five days after he confirmed himself, he says he feels like COVID pulled apart what he thinks could have been one of the all time Penn State squads. Oh, no doubt, he would have been playing, you know, in a normal season. And it's just, uh, it's crazy to think how that fabric just kind of all came apart so quickly. And you're and you're right. And you look at every level of the roster in terms of, you know, you look at the the older guys that, you know, I. Do they come back for a fifth, sixth year, whatever they're in right now? They've got some some really good senior leaders on this team. Some of them are, will play in the NFL. Some of them will not. But there's so much that, that goes into that decision. Then all of a sudden, you just brought in a class of 27 freshmen. That's that's a lot – or 27 signees. You got two, two, two uh, junior college guys in there. But 27 new faces in that, in that manner, you've got to deal with that. And then you've got to figure out your roster – 
uh, does that roll over to the spring? Do you to bring in guys for January where you can uh, play them in the spring? And does that take a whole year of eligibility? And then you play them in the spring and then in the fall. And then a year into their college career, they've, they've used two years. And there's so many questions at every level of the roster. And then to throw it on top of that, this was going to be not a turnover year for Penn State. But when you take a look at the college football landscape, you know, we're, we were charging ahead, full speed ahead to automatic transfers where you're, you know, you transfer do the one-time transfer and you're eligible right away. Now, all of a sudden that gets, you know, thrown back on the front burner and that's something you're going to have to deal with. 85 scholarships. Does that go out the window for a year or two? I, I don't know, man. Like you said, the lack of clarity in terms of what you're trying to do and the lack of uh, process and what you're trying to, to accomplish here just com- that I think that's the thing that's hard to swallow because I mean you're you're not sure what your roster is going to look like if you do play in the spring and if you do play in the spring what your roster is going to look like in the fall if this does return to normal so and and again I I've said this so many times the health and safety of these guys is number one the health and safety of everybody and getting back to you know what we knew as normal at one point is the number one priority for everyone. And that we're just going to file that and it goes without saying cabinet. And, you know, we don't have to really pull that one out, but felt, felt like I needed to say that one again. But I mean, when you get back to it, when you get back to the football aspect of it, still so many questions out there and you just don't know which way it's going to go. Spent some time writing about this on Tuesday evening. It's an uh, article up on lines 24-7. Spent a lot of time. You haven't left. We, we, we've had you chained to your laptop since uh, about <laughs> about Friday afternoon uh, since we recorded the last one, or oh, Thursday man. afternoon since we recorded the last one. So we appreciate uh, you doing all the words. But, yeah, Tyler's been writing his ass off, so uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> well, the, uh, the writing led me to the story on the roster because I do think that was the most alarming part of what I heard from James Franklin on Tuesday morning, the part that really stayed with me throughout the day wasn't so much that he was scared to see the football season go away. It was that he was worried the football season was going to go away and he wasn't going to have the appropriate safety net and the right set of, of guidance to apply to his roster. And this is where it's not just his roster. You mentioned he's on the, the, the conference call with 2021 recruits. And you want to talk about the day this guy has had. It starts off with making a case for the Big Ten uh, to, to stay alive on ESPN in the morning. Gets canceled and he's finishing up the day. Not finishing up, but he finds the time uh, talking to all these recruits about the future of Penn State football. Not an easy day uh, for, for head coach James Franklin. But there's a reason you know he's got to have that conversation because these 2021 kids, who many of them aren't going to have a football season as well, Several of them will be trying to enroll early, graduate early. What goes into that process right now at the high school level and the college transition? I don't know. I think it's probably taken on a different shape of terms in terms of requirements. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're a football player who wants to move on, usually you're replacing a senior who left or a transfer who left. And how's that going to happen this year? You mentioned the 85 scholarship limit that these teams are working with. I don't know how you can adjust that without almost making it permanent unless you're gradually going to decline that number back to 85 because where do you find the time to make up for that gap either you're going to shortchange 
uh, a group uh, of uh, a class of, of high school players. And because we're going to see uh, fewer scholarships going out at the high school level, because teams across the country are trying to stay down to that 85, uh, 85 offer range. And I think specifically, if it's, it's a, it could be a regional recruiting issue. If we're talking about the Big Ten, all dealing with trying to cut down on scholarship numbers over the course of years, that could impact the, the offers that go out regionally. But addition, you know, is it going to encourage coaches to, to, you know, shoulder elbow players out of the program because those scholarship offers or scholarship numbers, which are already so tight are now, you know, um, you know, you just can't afford to miss on one. So I feel like if you do blow it up, I, I don't know how it scales back without really rocking the system again. Um, I, I don't know how that can change. I don't know what that conversation is going to look like, but um, I, I don't see a way where you can scale it back to 85 without the players being the ones who are hurt the most, the young players, the older players, all of them. Um, ultimately, we're looking at the eight senior eligibility kids, Sean. I, I don't know uh, about you, but that number, I was surprised that it was so low. I guess I kind of knew it was a lower number, but to see it there, uh, eight guys, Tariq Castro feels a cornerback, defensive tackle, Antonio Shelton, uh, Shaka, uh, Shaka Tony, Shane Simmons at defensive end, safeties, Jaquan Brisker, Lamont Wade, and then offensive lineman Will Fries and Michael Mennett. Sean, those are the eight senior eligibility guys. Um, we've talked about all of these as contributors. You projected seven of them as starters in your 2020 depth chart, a very important, but a small group of older players. And none of them, I would say walks into this last season of eligibility with a sure thing in terms of their NFL draft status. What do you do with these guys who all are, let's face it, dealing with their own personal lives beyond football that we know nothing about and to put professional plans on hold and the professional paycheck on hold for another year wasn't part of the plans. For those guys to be in, in school a fifth year, and you know, you're basically going to ask them to be here for a sixth year if they want to continue playing. And, and I think that option will be on the table. And I think the, some guys will take them up on that because, you know, you look at, you know, I see Mennett as an NFL guy. I see Shaka Tony as a draft pick. Beyond that, you've got questions at several positions. Um, you know, Brisker, uh, I'm irrationally high on Jaquan Brisker, but he's going to need some tape if he wants to get out in front of scouts, if he wants to be on that draft board. If he, need, if he needs an agent, way. I got an idea for him. I'm right there, man. <laughs> I, I can start a bandwagon with the best of go. them. Um, but uh, no, I mean, but same with Lamont Wade. And, you know, you've got these guys that and then, you know, guys like Shane Simmons, who, you know, it, it hasn't gone to plan for him over the last uh, four, four and a half years, but. You never know. Sometimes guys just bust out and it happens. And, you know, for Shane's sake, I, who's a great kid and a, and a guy that you always want to root for, you know, you you were hoping that maybe he, this was the time that he would turn the corner. So there's just so many questions. Then you've got, you know, obviously, as in every year, you have a bigger class behind him and a bigger class behind that. And you have to continue to try and balance them. I think Penn State's in a good spot in terms of roster building. Um, roster management and things like that. I think they've done a, a good job with balancing some of those positions. So I think that they really wouldn't be tremendously hurt by major movement. I mean, you 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 see attrition all the time. It happens. It's it's one of those things, and and they've dealt with it. I mean, you look back a couple of years, and they had the big off season where you know it basically seemed like everybody transferred, and then they turn around and you know th they handle it pretty well, and they get back to a, a New Year's Day bowl. Uh, not soon or not long after that. So, I mean, I think, I think there's a, you know, a reasonable expectation that Penn State would handle that pretty well. But yeah, you're right. 
I feel bad for the guys that you know we're going to have their name called next uh, next year in the draft. And what's what's interesting to me is what happens with the draft. Uh, you know, how much pressure do, do the college uh, coaches and the athletic directors put on the NFL to move that back? Especially, you know, and I don't really expect the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve to continue. I mean, they might make it. Uh, longer, obviously they've already made it longer, but they might make it longer to, to playing a season or maybe even get started. But I don't know that that's going to all come together. So um, you're all over the place in terms of eligibility there. So there's just a, a lot of questions, a lot of number questions, and you know it's uh, it sucks, man. I mean, I I don't envy the guys that have to uh, to balance this and to make this decision because you might be looking at a fifth year senior and just saying, hey. I don't know what to tell you, man. You might be looking at a freshman and saying the exact same thing. So, I mean, it's uh, it's tough, uh, tough thing to handle, and it's just a little bit more pressure on on James Franklin and his staff to uh, to do what they need to do to get the the program, you know, back on track to get any program back on track for any head coach. We already knew going into the 2020 season that it was the non-seniors on the Penn State roster that were going to generate the most draft intrigue, beginning with Micah Parsons, who made his stance clear last week by opting out of the season that never actually happened and focusing on the 2021 NFL draft. And this leads me into Pat Fryermuth, and, and it is this is really one of the tougher topics to get to because you can see how motivated Pat Fryermuth is to play football again for the Penn State Nittany Lions. He has made it abundantly clear with his words and with his actions and was on track to be a second-year team captain with Penn State. And I would argue to say that if you were to ask the team, offense, defense, special teams, everyone, to write down a name of a singular captain for this team, he would garner substantial consideration for that, Sean. I feel like his his hand is forced here. Whether Penn State's going and the Big Ten are going to try to piece together a spring sports, uh, spring fall, she's uh, a spring fall sports season. I don't know what to call it, but football in March, I don't see it happening. Urban Meyer flat out said he, there's no chance that's going to happen. But even if it happens, I was already wondering a spring college football season. How does that mesh with an NFL draft that's taking place? Whether you know it's it's April as usual or even a little bit postponed because of a spring football season, are you going to try to play your your last year of college football in the same year that you're playing your first year of the NFL? What is that going to do to your body? How is that going to impact your ability during that rookie season? Uh, so that was already out the window for me, and and I think Fryermuth is just probably. It's not a bad concession prize because I think he's going to be making himself a, a very uh, a, a nice living for a long time in the NFL. But I, I feel like he's kind of gotten squeezed out of, out of the options here, and, and it's going to lead into the NFL draft and, and hopefully to the top of someone's tight end board. But unfortunate because for all he stood to gain in the NFL, this kid was all about Penn State, and, and that dates back to when he had the escape patch as a sophomore, and he could already be be counting his 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 money at the NFL level. Yeah, and luckily he's got the take to back that up, and the, that's unfortunate for some of those other guys. I mean, we had a draft, uh, excuse me, a mock draft on our site this week at twenty four seven Sports, and I forget who actually put put it together, but Brad Crawford compiled it. Rasheed Walker was very high, I think, at the, the tail end of round one. Yeah, so, five five um, players in the first three rounds. Yeah, and you know, and the guys that he had on there, they a lot of those guys needed this year, needed the expectation. We, we talk, uh, for example, we talk a lot about Journey Brown and how much we expect out of Journey Brown and how Journey Brown could leave after this year as a running back with uh, you know fairly limited tread on the tires, but still an impressive body of work. But 
you know, we kind of took it for granted that he'd have a really good season this year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that same with Jason Oway, Rasheed Walker, these guys. Uh, so that's, that, that to me is going to be interesting. Then you're going to have some sort of log jam next year with every school that thinks their, their seniors are ready to go, thinks their underclassmen are ready to go. And all of a sudden you've got sort of a waterlogged draft and guys are going to get left out. You know, hopefully they have uh, other options. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know what advice I'd be giving them unless they were a bona fide blue chipper like a Micah Parsons or a Pat Fryermuth. It's tough because in the NBA for years, I've always wondered, you know, they're drafting these 17-year-old Euro players and you see their stats from the year before and it's not impressive. And you're like, this guy's the number five pick in the NBA draft over a, a, an ACC guard who averaged 20 points a game and went to the went to the final four. To me, are we going to start to see the NFL draft gravitate toward that where guys like Jason Oway who's got, you know, one season as a as a as a second team option at defensive end under his belt really on his resume. Is he going to leapfrog a bunch of more accomplished prospects because of what he's capable of doing in a combine setting because of the word around him? And Journey Brown goes in that same category. Look, there's there's college running backs who have two, three different 1000-yard campaigns to their credit. Uh, a lot more touchdowns than Journey Brown. But they've got a lot more touches than Journey Brown, and that seems to matter for NFL scouts. We heard we talked about that with Miles Sanders coming out of Penn State. But man, that is a very small sample size, Sean, to to to, to look at with Journey Brown, where he was a player truly getting the bulk of your off 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 offensive backfield work. It was the Minnesota game on, so we are talking five games in a college career to, to base it off of. But maybe that's enough because if there isn't college football this fall and the NFL scouts are, are, are essentially drafting off of what they see in a combine setting, uh, what they're hearing about behind the scenes in these programs, and what they saw on film from 2019, which will be a year and a half earlier, that, that isn't that the draft of all of them to, to invest in physical freaks and, and, and see if we can get out the other side. And, and we know that's what Penn State has done a nice job of producing. And physical freaks, you also toss in Rasheed Walker with that conversation as well. And PJ Mustafer is the other player where I was saying 2020 breakout, maybe then he could be an NFL prospect that, that considers leaving early. D- does it require the breakout? Uh, I think PJ is probably the guy who sticks around. But again, this is a long span of time between now and, and when these guys can actually showcase something tangible for NFL scouts. There's a lot that can go wrong for you. I, I see right through you, man. You, you you throw the agent talk on me for <laughs> Jaquan Brisker, and then you move Jason away, your boy. I just go hard after the 18 of, class, right? Yeah. It's just, uh, you move him up a couple of rounds over some more accomplished <laughs> players. I, I see what you're getting at here. So, no, it's uh, it's crazy. And, and honestly, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean – Penn State right now is is basically going to send their their players home. Uh, you know they they could still practice, do walkthroughs, all that kind of stuff. No padded practices for for a full they what a full year. Um, but uh, that's crazy, I, I don't know what man. They're do. I mean, you got to hope mean, the guys remember to tackle, right? I mean, it's like exactly, exactly. fundamentals. I don't know what they're going to do for to keep themselves. I don't know what we're going to do for for a year to keep ourselves busy. <laughs> but you know we can. BS, and that's what we do, and we do it two episodes a week. We appreciate you listening. Check us out on Spotify, by the way. Um, but no, I mean, it's uh, there's really not much uh, that you can do to kind of make it exciting, keep it exciting, keep it interesting. I mean, you're going to do the, the the competition. Barton Simmons had a tweet uh, earlier this evening that you know you're you're going to see 20 months of these guys in off season conditioning, and that's not very fun. I mean, that's uh, you know. 
30, I'm not a math guy, but 30 to 35% of your college uh, experience in off-season training, that's not a lot of fun. But uh, these guys want to do it. They want to get to the next level and they want to make it happen. So, I mean, that, that that might be something that just everybody has to deal with. And Sean, you know what? It, it sucks being hurt when you're a college football player, but you're still a college football player on a college campus and you get to enjoy what that lifestyle is like. Now that's gone. The social life aspect of campus, it's just, it, it's, it's brutal for a lot of these guys. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to unfortunately dwell on this for, for a while and hopefully we'll, we'll find some silver linings as things progress. It's hard to, if this it's hard to do right now, uplifting but just needed, wait yeah. until next one. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, but I do want to also, there's one other a wrinkle to this personnel thing uh, that we, we got to get to aside from, from the fact that you do have another freshman class coming very soon. And that is these 2019 recruits who came in last year as freshmen. And you feel like you've got so long to kind of invest in these guys and, oh, the future looks bright. All of a sudden, Noah Kane freshman, the next time we meet Noah Kane, he'll be draft eligible junior, ready to go out and, and sprint out the gates and get himself a payday. And then you throw in everyone else in that class, Adiza Isaac, Brandon Smith, uh, Devin Ford, Lance Dixon, whether these guys will develop or not, it's happened so fast because you were removing that buffer year, that sophomore year. They are going from the new kids on the block to guys who have a chance to go to the NFL next year. And I think that is a bridge to watch. Who will regress? Who will show up as a different player? And who will be just as good as when we last saw them? Because, again, to remove yourself from a football field and to get away from in-person coaching for this long at this stage of your development, it leaves a lot to the imagination on what these guys are going to look like in 2021. Yeah, and, and talking to, to someone in the program, he mentioned how great Brandon Smith looked uh, as they started their practice. And I was like, great. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's exactly what you want to hear because you – you know, you wanted to see Brandon Smith play this year because you know the potential and you know, uh, you know the makeup of him and and the the pedigree and everything like that. Now all of a sudden you take that away. But yeah, you you look at that and you look at those different positions. You mentioned Noah Kane and you know running back is is so crazy because you you want to be three and out as a running back and now all of a sudden you know that, that might help him in terms of uh, tread on the tires. But at the same time, he doesn't get the opportunity to carry the football and and put that tape up. Uh, the one that gets me, uh, Adisa Isaac. And that's that's going to be interesting because I think that kid's going to be really really good. And you miss out a year that that's that draft rule is not changing. That's three years from when they you know uh, wrap up their high school when they graduate in high school, um, and that's not going to change. So you're just kind of uh, hoping that these guys, I'm not saying don't develop, but uh, hoping these guys can can stick around long enough that you can get the production that you hope to get out of them before they're out the door. And then last but not least, the last part of this, that all of a sudden that we're thinking 22. There's more. There's like, still <laughs> more. You're thinking, okay, the 2021 recruiting class that we've been talking about piecing together, it has had its uh, its peaks and valleys this cycle so far, Sean. And right now, 13 commits, a lot of big fit, a few big fish still out there. But we've been talking about this as kind of a, you know, in the distant future, they're going to add to the program. Now they're adding to this roster that we know. Like we don't know who's going from the roster, what seniors are going to leave, who's going to go to the draft, but like for like potentially a lot of the guys that we thought were going to be gone from the roster are still going to be around and then you're throwing this 2021 class in there and let the NCAA figure out how to manage the scholarship numbers. Like this 21 class all of a sudden my perception of them and what they mean to the program, it's it's different today than it was yesterday. Yeah, and, and you've got to talk some things through there because you now are going to have some sort of logjam. I mean, we had talked about no running back in this class, no tight end in this class, maybe don't need another receiver. 
you know, that kind of helps that right now in terms of what they do need and what they don't need out of this group. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to follow. And yeah, I mean, you've got, uh, you've got guys where you're going to come in. They, they brought in a big group of defensive linemen last year, big group of offensive linemen last year. Now all of a sudden you're basically bringing in, you know, for all intents and purposes, nine offensive linemen in one giant super class, you know, between 2020 and 2021. So it's going to be very interesting to see how all that's handled, how the development goes. You're going to see some, uh, you know, portal action across college football based on what we've uh, experienced in the last five months and how that's led to decisions. Then you throw this on top of it and guys that are going to get squeezed out and beaten out by younger players. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a mess down the road, but uh, we'll be at least it'll be fun to cover, I guess. We'll say that. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, this will be the same recruiting class that will not be visiting any campuses before they actually enroll. So, yes, the the 21 class that has – it's going to be a grand experiment, and and, and it's <laughs> – you feel for those kids because what they're going to walk into a college football is going to be some scorched earth on some of these campuses and, and, and what these programs are dealing with. And I look at, at what happened last year. This is how normally works – 11 early enrollees show up to campus in January, Sean. They never get to spring practice, but they, they get there early, get a head start. 11 guys go off to the NFL, five of them drafted, six undrafted. They're off your roster. And then you got a collection of transfers moving on. Hypothetically, we talk about a, a group coming in and enrolling early. I mean, are there going to be 11 guys gone from your draft class this year? Are, are there going to be as many guys who know where they stand on the roster and, and transfer out of here? I think that's the tricky part. Where do these guys stand on the roster? you got four new positional coaches, Sean. I mean, you've got, you're have got you a year removed away at some point from seeing these guys in live action pad work, and you just haven't had a chance to spend much time on the field with them and get to know their competitive drive and, and really get to, to break through with these players and some of the younger players. So if you're being honest with with your players and giving those assessments that sometimes can lead to transfers, I feel like those those are that's a lot more difficult to have now because how many of these coaches can truly muster up that that kind of clear uh, insight on on what this player is when they just haven't had the time to develop with him, they haven't had the time to see him uh, grow in person and, and have the kind of back and forth feedback that we would be normally getting in college football. So I feel like as much as transfers are going to happen. Are they going? To, are they going to be well uh, informed transfers as they normally would? Because what kind of feedback are you truly getting from a staff? And where are you going to go? I mean, yes. you, you're, this is going to be an issue at, at every school. You're going to load up these scholarships, and you know maybe you figure out there's some way of there's some reprieve to how this thing works. But you know the places are going to be full all over the place. I was looking at uh, Mike Schaefer from our Nebraska site. I, there was a FCS wide receiver. South Dakota, I, I honestly forgot the details of it. Uh, it's been a long day. Um, but, you know, he's a great-looking prospect, an NFL prospect, FCS guy. Nebraska doesn't have a scholarship. Penn State, we saw, was in a situation where they don't have scholarships. Michael Parsons is opting out, but his scholarship, for the, for the most part, or for, for now, and I expect it to change, but still counts. So you still at 85. You can't take a guy right now. So uh, there's a lot that goes into that, and it's going to happen at every school. And this is something that Brian Doan and I have talked about on the podcast before. The portal sounds great, but, you know, if there's no green grass on the other side, there's no scholarship offers to, to, to behold on the other side, it's not the uh, the be-all, end-all, fix-all of your problems. To me, this is going to be a, 
a reboot of a lot of different brands and a lot of coaching staffs that spent a lot of time day by day by day laying it out, having recruiting events, having success in the football field. You have this kind of time away from your own team uh, in person. You have this kind of time away from the recruiting trail in person. And you have this time away also, you know, from your fan base and what you're going to need to do to get them re-energized. And, and look, fans will be clamoring to see college football when it gets back here, but it, it, it's going to be a, a bit of a rebuilding project and, and it's going to be an opportunity for some programs to improve upon their image. And for others, there's going to be a bit of a backslide. Penn State's in a spot where they've had the same coach for seven years. A lot of those assistants are sticking around, but there's going to be decisions uh, for guys to think about what their identity is personally and, and, and do they want to contribute to the identity of the program that they're working at. This is a time where coaches are going to be at a crossroads and saying, do I make a move I've been waiting on? Now there's kind of a gap year. How many of these coaches and players, for that matter, have ever had a chance to really step aside, catch their breath because someone made them or because they made themselves and assessed where they're at and what they might want to do next? It's a few and far between moment, and I and I am curious about how individuals and programs collectively are going to reemerge from this whenever we can get back on track and have a full slate of college football available to us. Well, we've got plenty of time to talk about it, so I think we can settle there. It's 11.35. I would typically have been in bed for about two hours by now. You're, you're not in the same boat. Uh, but, yeah, I think that that's, that's a better conversation served for another day, and luckily we have a bunch of days to work with, so fantastic anyway. But, uh, no, we thank you for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler, was there anything else that you wanted to get to? I know you got your, uh, your rollout list here, but uh, anything else on, on the docket for us? Man, we've, we've got plenty coming your way on Lions 24-7. We, we could have focused in on some recruiting tonight. Just didn't think it was the time. Same deal with the mailbag. We wanted to kind of give you some quick raw motions before we, before we hit the hay here on the, on the night and the day where things kind of unraveled here. Um, but no, I appreciate you, Sean. I'm glad that, that we can still get on this late on a, on a day like this, on a night like this and still have some fun talking about this. And I hope that sets the tone for us moving forward and for our listeners as well. Um, it has, you know, trying to, we've been trying to pick up the slack since March and, and see where it would take us. And, uh, I, I, I like where things are at for us. Unfortunately, we got to this point and, uh, football isn't around the corner anymore, but, uh, definitely appreciate the conversation with you. Just wanted to put that out there as well. And we appreciate our reader, our readers, listeners, uh, the guys that, uh, keep us employed and keep us going. So we, we definitely appreciate you guys. Of course, check us out. Leave your questions on iTunes. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out wherever you, you get your podcasts. We really appreciate the listens. And like I said, we're going to try and keep this uh, keep this thing coming for you. And, and hopefully we've got uh, creative ways to talk around this, creative ways to BS and around this. So uh, hopefully we're pretty good at that. And I guess we'll find out. Throw some advice in the mailbag. We'll, we'll take the BS advice if you got some. Um, that's going to be it for us. Sean, Tyler, Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll talk to you soon.